The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com To total career success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers to achieve their potential and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Welcome to Total Career Success. This is Cheryl Dawson with Ken Dawson, and we have a very special guest today who is a friend and former client. Uh, when we moved, uh, when he moved on to bigger and better opportunities, returning to Michigan, we remained in touch over the years, and he's one of uh, our foremost success stories. Who not only uh, got a better job for better pay by applying the techniques of the total system once, but many times throughout his successful human resources career. In a moment, we're going to introduce Stan to you, but before we do so, we want to remind you that you can call in with your questions in Part 3 and 4 of our program today. In this first segment, we're going to be talking with Dan about his experience with the total system, and then we're going to get into his role as Senior Vice President for Human Resources at Spectrum Health in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and that's my old stomping grounds, too, because I actually grew up in Michigan. So, uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, Dan's background, he's a West Michigan native. He earned his bachelor's degree at Grand Valley State University and has a master's degree in public administration from Western Michigan University. Dan has also completed the University of Michigan Business School Human Resource Executive Program. He is a recipient of numerous awards and acknowledgments and was voted to the Wall of Distinction for Western Michigan University in 1986. A pathfinder, he was the first African-American to become councilman and elected mayor of the city of Muskegon, Michigan in 1985. At Corporate Express, Altacor, and Sealed Power, he was the highest senior-level African-American executive holding a director position an Altacor and Senior Vice President positions with both uh, Corporate Express and, of course, Spectrum Health. Dan serves on a number of boards and organizations, including United Way, Grand Rapids Urban Urban League, the uh, Junior Achievement, and the Grand Rapids Workforce Development Council. Welcome, Dan, and thank you for being with us today at this very busy time of the year. I'm delighted to be with you, Ken and Cheryl. It's good to uh, certainly share this opportunity with you guys to uh, discuss some of the things that we have on our minds. Well, uh, we would like to start just by giving you a chance to share a little bit of your background, and uh, and then we'll get into uh, how we met and so forth. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I began my career in human resources back in the 1970s. In 1974, I graduated from Grand Valley and then in 77, Western Michigan University and began my work in the public sector, moved from there to the private sector, going to Seal Power Corporation, and then on to uh, Dow Chemical, where I really cut my eye teeth 
in human resources. And uh, from Dow Chemical, I went to uh, Corporate Express, and now uh, having a great experience there leading the human resource function for Spectrum Health. Uh, I remember that at Dow Chemical, it was a very, very interesting experience. That's where I met you guys. Uh, I was transitioning Dow and uh, moving on and spent some time here at uh, Dawson & Dawson learning the total system concept. And having learned that concept, uh, my life has uh, certainly been changed as a result of it. And uh, I'm better able to, to really share with you some of the outstanding successes we've had from using that system. Absolutely. And, you know, I vividly remember years ago, uh, Dan, your call to me uh, when you were transitioning from Dow and uh, through a restructuring, uh, your position had been eliminated, and you were looking for a program that would help ensure that your next career step would be the right one for you. And that's a crucial time in anyone's career. And if you could just share with us uh, how the total system helped you accomplish that particular transition. Well, there's a concept with the total system that's called linkage. Linkage simply means that uh, you're doing what's necessary based on a very um, method, process-oriented approach to understanding who you are, what you've accomplished in the workplace, and communicating that effective, both qualitatively and quantitatively, on a format that is both written and certainly one that is learned and internalized. So the written document, the, the resume itself is very important. It is structured appropriately. Uh, you know that you teach that there's only one approach, and that approach, I can tell a Dawson resume wherever I'm at in the country, and one will come across my desk, I can tell it's a Dawson resume. Dan, um, we are always trying very hard to get people to understand that it is absolutely critical that people have a planned, intelligent approach to their job search, which is why a job search total system is so critical. Could you share with our audience your specific experience and how important that is to people in the job market today? Yeah. It's extremely important. I indicated that job search the total system is based on linkage. Well, what one has to understand is that in putting together a profile, your own personal profile, it's important that you give a great deal of thought to where you've been, do an assessment of your skill sets, and we do that here. We did that at, with Dawson and Dawson. And once we've made that assessment, we were able then to begin to articulate uh, based on concepts, based on information, what are opportunities out there based upon uh, our skill sets. That happened with me. I looked at consulting. I looked at uh, doing some doing some additional human resource work, possibly working with him. I had several options open to me. By putting down on paper that experience, those skill sets, and then learning them, and then getting those references that reinforce that, and getting individuals to articulate the similar kinds of skill sets to potential employers, I began to understand how this system came together uh, to build a powerful, powerful application. 
Well, you make a very good point how critical that resume is. We like to call it A-plus, if you'll remember, Dan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, I remember how challenging you to quantify results, and I know that Ken uh, uh, emphasized the same. And in the human resource field where it's, you know, a support function and very often people consider support functions difficult to measure results, how did challenging you to look at your results in a quantifiable way help you to um, uh, envision and really communicate the value that you had to an employer? Well, first of all, Ken and Cheryl, you guys are relentless. You would not let us give a B. You would not let us give an A. It had to be an A-plus uh, it was important for us to really communicate, not just effectively, but to be precise in our communication. And I think what I gained was the the opportunity to quantify what I've done. I'll give you one example. When I was at Dow Chemical, we were able to, um, uh, over time, negotiate five uh, labor contracts, saving over a period of three years, uh, $45 million by eliminating in-department seniority uh, with our union groups, five union groups. That is very quantifiable. Uh, that was a communication that that was very effective when I would interview, and, and I would get a lot of reference for that. But you all helped me do that. Uh, but that had to be, that was just one. There, there had to be others, and, and we talked about quality-based efforts as well. And I remember... So many times when you and I would work one-on-one on goals, and you'd work yeah, goals. that's right, that's right. Uh, Dan would put a goal together and say, come on, Ken, this is Nate, right? And I would give him a seat, and he would say, you have got to be Ken. I mean, remember that? That's we right. would go round and round. Yeah, but you've got to be here, ladies and gentlemen, is that you can always improve on what you have. Dan, talk a little bit about that, please. Yeah. Well, Ken and I, we were we were at a point of uh, negotiating. We had used utilized the res- resume. We had great references. Uh, I used the networking process, and we had several opportunities present themselves. There was one opportunity which I I was very excited about. Uh, the problem with that is that it did not have the 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 broad breadth and. And it did not have the kind of compensation that that we thought should be there. Uh, I brought it to Ken, and I was ready because I, I was able to negotiate a, a favorable compensation. I was able to negotiate uh, uh, the 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 benefit packages. But Ken told me, he says, Dan, you know, uh, I think that this position needs to be a vice president position. And wow, I said, you know, Ken, I have the position. I've negotiated the salary. I don't care what they call me. I need a job. This is exactly the job I want. Ken says, Dan, uh, I'm sorry, but um, you need to understand to have the kind of stroke and leverage in this position based upon what I see in this, in what you've showed me about this company and how it's structured and organized, you need to be a vice president and you need to make that statement to the president and chairman of that company. I went the next day, and I was not yet convinced, but somehow I built up the energy and, 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 and the guts to, to say, hey, guys, uh, I really would like to accept this position, but based upon what I see and what's needed in this position, uh, I need to be a vice president. Uh, five minutes, the president got up and said, you know, let me talk to the chairman. The chairman came in and interviewed me and asked me why I thought it should be the case. Within 10 minutes, uh, both of these guys walked in and said, welcome, Mr. Vice President. 
Sanders. That was outstanding, kid. Sanders, that is, ladies and gentlemen, we've talked so much about this, and to have Dan reinforce that, and it, it simply points out exactly what Dan's saying, what I'm saying, what Cheryl's saying, and that is achieve better job, better pay, better life. You can do it, regardless of your background, regardless of your position. Dan, talk a little bit about how everyone can do that out there, regardless of background, education. Right. It doesn't really matter. You see it every day. That's right, every day. You'd, you'd be surprised uh, what you have accomplished in life and the ability to communicate that effectively and to quantify it and qualify it is extremely important. Job Search to Toll System provides that. And then to follow up the communication with support, with external support, and that is extremely, extremely valuable to uh, the person that's looking for for an opportunity. Also, looking at your options and going beyond what you see as just uh, something that, that looks good, looks like it's right, you need to broaden, broaden your horizon. For some, I, I spent uh, about a year in consulting, and uh, it was an opportunity to learn the consulting side of the business, and we did that right here with Dawson. And it was a great opportunity. I learned how to close. I learned how to sell, how to market. And those kinds of skill sets now are very valuable in my job today. Well, and, uh, and speaking of negotiation, uh, it's such a critical part of uh, the process, Dan. And you talked about the linkage and how every step needs to be linked together. And there's another part of the cycle success that you've really been talking around, and that is what we like to call psychological leverage. And to be able to build that leverage, not kind of like financial leverage, but on the psychological side, to always be prepared, to always be able to um, anticipate what the other person, whether it's uh, an interviewer, interviewer that you're talking to or maybe an employer that you're getting ready to the next step in your current role, so, Dan, just before break here, if you could just share how important developing strong relationships are uh, in in your positions in order to build your career. Okay. Well, those strong relationships uh, are with colleagues as well as those from other areas. I think that one of the one of the most effective methods that you guys used to assist us was to let us really uh, practice practice and communicate, communicate effectively. Exactly. And when we get back from break, we're going to talk a little bit more about that and about Dan's role in Spectrum Health. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition. And through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One total system user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to 
www.tcsworldwide.com and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the total career success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson, and check out our online store for products relating to the book and total career success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success, better job, better pay, better life. Jessica. Hi, Mrs. Johnson. Is Megan there? Sure. Follow me. The kids are in the kitchen making sandwiches. Hey, Julie. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Megan. Hey, Megan. Yeah? You're a total freak. God, you're ugly. And dumb. Oh, and your makeup makes you look like a tramp. Tommy Morris told me you guys made out. Everybody knows. The whole school knows. He said your breath smelled like garbage, and he almost puked. He says you're the most desperate girl he knows. And that dress is totally hideous. You look like a big, fat clown. Disgusting. Oh, and by the way, nice zit. If you wouldn't say it in person, why say it online? Delete cyberbullying. Don't write it. Don't forward it. For more information, visit ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, Crime Prevention Coalition of America, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Total Career Success. We're Speaking with Dan Oglesby, Senior Vice President, Human Resources for Spectrum Health out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, we've just been talking about uh, job search, the total system, and how much of an impact it has made on Dan's career. And one of the things we haven't talked a lot about yet, Dan, is the importance of references. And we have a very uh, specific approach on that. Uh, would you like to share that with our listeners? Yes, you do, Cheryl. The reference approach is not left to chance. Uh, first of all, you communicate with the references, and that's something that most of us know intuitively. But more than that, when you're preparing references, uh, you also must communicate, and I learned from Job Search the Total System, that you must communicate the content, the content, so that there's linkage between the reference letter, the, the resume, and what you're communicating in the job interview. Uh, it is It is outstanding when... Uh, the interviewer uh, hears from you the same words that he's heard or she's heard from uh, the the reference, and that is how linkage works. You're communicating, so preparing reference communications is important. We actually you you taught us to write our references for and give them a sample for. Uh, those who were preparing references so that they would know what were the key points. And that's key, the key points, the key information that links back 
to the quantitative and qualitative data in the resume. And what is so critical about having you here today is that you're basically reaffirming everything we've been saying in all the shows and everything we say in the book. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is absolutely essential that you learn the system right now, not just yourself, your family, mother, father, relatives, network, anybody you have in your system to make it happen because it is critical that every aspect of your job search be A+. And that's absolutely critical. Zero defects. Total commitment to working harder, smarter, longer to achieve exactly what you want to have in life. Regardless of the economy, regardless of the downturn, you can find opportunities. Dan talked about consulting and contract earlier. I've been mentioning this in two or three shows. When people are being let out the front door through layoffs, people are coming in the side door through consulting and contractual uh, needs that they have. Oftentimes they cut too deep and they still have needs. And what they do instead of bringing full-time people in is bring contract and consulting people in. Dan, talk a little bit about that if you would in healthcare. Um, yeah, in, in healthcare we are consistently looking at uh, short-term contract relationships. Uh, healthcare is a growing field. There's been over 356,000 jobs this year alone, 34,000 last month in healthcare. It's one of the areas that we're growing very effectively. Some of that is contracting. We have a gentleman that actually is contracting today for a COO position within our medical group there at Spectrum Health. It's a new group. We needed a specific skill set. He negotiated a very uh, short-term, um, I think, a very lucrative uh, project uh, compensation for doing a job that we needed to be done immediately within a short period of time as we search for a long-term COO. So this gentleman, for a period of eight to nine months, will receive a very, very lucrative uh, compensation uh, salary and will add a great deal of value, we expect. All right. Well, that's a great example. And, Dan, you, you show that obviously the lessons that you learn from the total system are indelibly imprinted on your mind. No but you speak with such passion, we can tell it's also something that, that you believe in your heart. And how has this uh, process really helped you over the years? It's been over 10 years that, <laughs> that we've known each other uh, to, uh, to advance in your career. Well, I've used the total system approach and concepts as I've worked uh, with uh, employers and employees. Not only do I utilize it, I communicate it uh, time and time again. Uh, the principles are there. Uh, I have a dual career where I also have utilized uh, that same system uh, for the workers who work with uh, me and my wife in, in our separate enterprise. We use this system so that individuals are able to quantify and qualify their skill sets and they're able to communicate effectively so that value is gained and appreciated. And uh, one of the things we often get is that, uh, well, that's good for you and that's good for somebody else, but, you know, I've never been a consultant. I've never been a contract person. I can't do that. I don't have these skills, abilities, and talents. Address that. Well, part of that, uh, you guys, you, you guys uh, spoke to the whole psychological piece. One of the advantages of understanding job search the total system is really understanding the new horizon. Uh, we limit ourselves 
on a consistent basis based upon how we view uh, our world from past. We move from looking at past to future. Job Search the Total System really focuses in on future, leveraging the past. And when you leverage the past, focus on future, uh, there's very little you can't do. But part of that is motivation. And so some of the motivating principles in terms of understanding how to negotiate, how to posture oneself in an environment begins to build the confidence level of uh, the learner and the reader to appreciate really the skill sets that you have to achieve uh, what you would have thought uh, before uh, unreachable goals and objectives. Absolutely, and setting the bar, raising the bar rather, and uh, setting your sights higher is an important part of uh, success in any career. And uh, Dan, you have talked about the importance of accountability mm-hmm. and recognition for performance results as being very important to Spectrum. How do these go hand in hand, and what are some of the ways that Spectrum has implemented these principles? Okay. Uh- Spectrum Health, uh, the vision for Spectrum Health is to be the most successful, highest quality healthcare enterprise bar none. And we set a date on that 2010. Obviously, we go beyond 2010, but we set that date to demonstrate urgency. And so our position is is that it's, it is necessary and urgent that we measure what we do. Whenever you talk about quality, you talk about metrics, you're talking about measurement. Uh, when many hospitals are measuring 16 to 20 different key areas, we measure over 50 because our goal is to make sure that we are the best at what we do and we accept, not, accept nothing less than the 95th percentile plus. And that is exactly, Dan, the goal that we are constantly saying to our readers and listeners, strive for the best, strive to be nothing but the best. That's right. That is exactly what you see every day. Talk a little bit about the winners you see on the resume, walking in the door. I mean, you can tell how much time and effort they have put into it just by all the things you've already seen. Talk a little bit about that. That's right. You know, I am trained because of the total system to listen for quantity and quality. And when I see a person who's able to communicate effectively um, who they are, uh, what they want, and where they're going, and how they plan to get there, and then they're willing to negotiate and actually uh, build build based upon uh, the expectations of the employer uh, a different a different approach and accept that approach. Those are the people who are getting the jobs. The individuals who are flexible who know what they've done, where they've been, and how they can leverage that for future success and value. Yes, Dan, and uh, speaking of value, we know the economic slowdown has really hit Michigan hard, uh, harder than most parts of the country. How has that impacted your hospitals, and how are you dealing with the challenges of the recession? Well, Michigan has been hit hard. We're in double-digit unemployment, as you know. You understand that today's news talks about uh, what's happening with the big three, and that would just be devastating if uh, if there should be uh, greater losses there. Uh, as a result, we've had to deal with uh, the, the whole acquisition process differently. We have had, for about 2,200 jobs that are open in our system a year, we have had over 150 
5,000 applications, which about 56,000 we actually review. So just dealing with that kind of volume is huge, and uh, that's just one segment. But, of course, with healthcare being a segment that provides a degree of growth and security, you can expect that to be the case. And that is that absolutely reinforces exactly what we're saying, okay? If you strive to be the best, if you think yourself as being an A-plus candidate, that's exactly what you're looking for and exactly what the people who are listening to this show must do, not just at the top level, not just at the CEO level, but at every level in the hospital. Talk a little bit about that. People at the maybe the middle of the company or, or, or some of the other, just... Well, can you bring up a good point? Because it's important that if you understand those numbers and those and those statistics, you understand then that that there are there are many who do who are not successful, even at the mid level and entry level range. Individuals are learning how to better market and communicate themselves. Uh, in terms of their skill sets and their value to an organization uh, because of just the mere, the, just the, the volume and the competitiveness that's out there. Job Search the Total System provides you a leg up, and I've recommended, as you know, you've had many order it off the Internet, order Job Search the Total System, because I've recommended it to those who really wanted to give themselves an advantage and what it provides is an advantage. It doesn't necessarily mean you will get the job every time, but it provides you a leg up, an advantage. And if you're competing against 150,000 employees, you need an advantage. And Job Search the Total System is, is it. Well, we're hitting another break here. I can't believe how quickly this show is going, Dan. We're going to talk about some great uh, strategies to help you in the next segment. So if you have any questions, here's your chance to call in 866 472 5788. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our all star team to answer your question. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition. And through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com, thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One total system user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the total career success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson, and check out our online store for products relating to the book and total career success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success better job better pay better life an ordinary sunny day an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids and they were doing nothing 
They were couch slouching. They were rug imitating. And lazy minute after lazy minute was passing them by when suddenly. Huh? Hey guys, that's a personal foul. An active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Players on your lazy penalties. Let's play. Those kids, they listened to Reggie. They got up and play they did. There was fun and running. There were smiles and jumping. And laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Kids, listen to Reggie and avoid lazy penalties. Be a player. Get up and play for an hour a day. Go online to check out smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll free at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to TCS on air at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Dawson with Ken and, and Dan Oglesby, Spectrum Health. And we got so engrossed in our conversation that we didn't notice that we had a caller on the line. Bob, are you still there? Hi. Yeah, uh, this is Bob. Yes, I'm here. Well, Bob, we're glad to have you call in. What is your question for our guest today? Uh, well, I live, I live in South Carolina now, and uh, uh, I read your book many years ago. I guess it must have been back in the 80s sometime. And uh, I had some good success with it, particularly the networking issue. I think that worked extremely well for me. And I appreciate that uh, guidance and advice, and I've had good uh, success uh, over the years with that. What uh, my question is, uh, you, I pulled, up you, uh, pulled you up on the Internet, and apparently you've updated your book a couple of times since then. My, my question is, is there anything new uh, that you can share with me since uh, since your first uh, your first shot at this. Wow, you go back a long way. Thank you very much for your question. We do have a full range of uh, online resources at tcsworldwide.com, and that gives folks an opportunity to um, not only access the book but also uh, our online resources with um, a study guide, an organizer, all the forms that are in the book, plus some additional ones. Uh, we also have our audio series online, which is just awesome and very motivational. So you're right, Bob. There are a lot of tools and resources that supplement the book and help an individual 
uh, as they're applying it and, and keeping them positive and motivated, especially if they're out of a job. It's one thing to look for a job when you have a job, but when you're out of a job like we see so many folks now, uh, it's really tough to maintain that positive motivation, and the audio series is specifically designed to do that. Bob, thanks so much for that question. Dan, if you don't mind, let's get back to uh, the healthcare area. And we know that there are a lot of people who today are asking, how can I get into healthcare? What specific qualifications are there? What specific positions are open in healthcare generally around the company? Would you address that, please? Ken, great question. Uh, there are positions open across the board, entry-level positions, uh, which are CNA and nursing assistants. Those positions usually take uh, anywhere from six months to a year. Uh, there are many training organizations uh, that provide those kinds of certifications, and those positions pay relatively well at the entry level. Uh, as you move up the realm, there are community college uh, trained uh, persons, usually in the technologies, the pharmacy tech, the radiology tech, uh, some nursing. There are two years nursing, although more and more there's a four-year RN degree for RN. Uh, hospitals are moving almost restrictively to RNs now, and that's more four-year. Um, so pharmacy techs, radiology techs are very hot. Nursing is always very hot and needed. And uh, then the CNA and the support group. So those positions are always available, always open, will continue to grow. Uh, the nursing population is aging. Uh, you just can't miss looking at those opportunities. And in Michigan, as an example, Unfortunately, we may see layoffs in the automobile industry we already have. Those folks that maybe are saying, wow, I do want to get into healthcare, but I don't have an education in it, I don't have a background in it. For someone just starting out, maybe who wants to go to school to become mm -hmm. qualified, what specific recommendations yeah. would you have? Jennifer Grandholm, uh, actually, I, I saw her yesterday. Uh, she was on national news. I, I, I believe it was on uh, it was one of the Monday morning programs yesterday, but she was speaking to a new initiative, a partnership between the state and community college to provide retraining uh, for manufacturing workers who want to get into health care. And it's focused on community college scholarships for that specific purpose. And uh, it has been very effective. Uh, our challenge is, is that we... Those programs have long waiting lists, that they are awful, not enough colleges, not enough education, and that's something we're working on very aggressively now because the openings are there. You Isn't know, that? uh, that's, that's very critical uh, when you're thinking of a career change to make sure that you're going in the right direction. And there are so many types of jobs available in healthcare that I would encourage everyone who's uh, in an industry that is, is you know, on the downtrend and not likely to come back, and you're having to look, really, for your family's um, security to look at a new career, that you take a career assessment and learn what are the best fits for your preferences and your interests and so forth before you start on an educational path. And But there are so many types of jobs, Dan, in yeah. healthcare that it would... It's a wide spectrum of interest. Yeah, don't it? forget, we, we hire engineers. We hire electrical engineers. We hire mechanical engineers. Uh, these are individuals who have had Six Sigma experience, uh, uh, and uh, they do our quality support, and they do our development. We hire uh, 
people in facilities and, and in planning and uh, those areas. So it's much more than just specifically health-related or healthcare-related professions. Any career uh, aspiration that supports um, an ongoing enterprise, uh, an enterprise, that, I mean, from laundry to food services to, uh, it's just that those, they're big enterprises. Our system, uh, we employ close to 14,000 employees. And um, I think it's critical at this point to talk about the long-term nature of this decision. Okay, for someone who perhaps has been in the automobile industry, doesn't see it coming back and saying, well, where do I go from here? It's critical that that person or that family make an intelligent, long-range decision based yeah. upon the best interests of the entire family. Right. Can you address that, please? Well, that's right. And, and you can do that both short and long-term. If families are looking for long-term planning, health care, uh, is, is an excellent opportunity for physicians. We're, we're we're going to have a shortage of physicians beginning in the next eight to ten years. Nurses shortages are today. Rad techs, uh, uh, farm techs today. Uh, so preparation and decision making. These are long term positions that give you great secure employment and great compensation. And healthcare has been considered one of the few growing industries. And as I indicated, I think earlier, over 356,000 new jobs just this year alone. Well, that's really incredible numbers. And uh, getting back to the idea of assessment for career change, so whether you're going to make a change or you're fresh out of school, high school, or two-year school, and you haven't decided yet what direction to go in, take that career assessment we have available online, and it really will help to validate the directions that are best for you. Now, we've been talking about a lot of different types of positions that are available in healthcare. Innovation plays a huge part now in the ongoing development of the industry. So with that shift to technology, Dan, how does that create new opportunities for okay. uh, individuals that are interested more in the mechanical side of, of work? What you would see today is that healthcare is moving aggressively, and, and even with the new administration's focus on uh, the the whole communication and technology side, a physician uh, and patient communications, automating that process. If your background is in IT, is in information technology, and you're interested in working. Uh, with organizations that are on the cutting edge of using this technology, whether it's uh, whether it's Lawson, whether it's SAP, PeopleSoft, uh, those processes are just moving into the healthcare arena within the last 15 years. And now, uh, healthcare systems are becoming very aggressive. When you talk about Epic systems and and communications for physicians, when you talk about Cerner systems. All of those require support. All of those. We spend millions over over a half a million, a billion. It's it's a huge, huge dollars in healthcare alone over the last several years. So it's a major investment, major group of employees uh, looking for great and innovative uh, people to work in those arenas. And science has really become uh, very much uh, intertwined with technology. Mm -hmm. Now, think about the molecular medicine now 
this is the state-of-the-art science in diagnosis, and that's creating new job opportunities as well, isn't that right, That's Dan? correct. The whole area of genomics, the whole area of research and development, uh, our, our um, enterprise, we've just a partnership with Michigan State University for a medical school uh, that's going to be focused on specific areas of research. We focused with Van Andel Arena uh, dealing with cutting-edge research in the cancers and in other debilitating diseases. Um, as you know, uh, spending resources for, for cancer uh, treatment, spending resources for heart and other disease treatment is extremely important today because these are the two greatest uh, areas of, of, of debilitation today. Uh, exactly, and I was really intrigued when I read the, the report for Spectrum uh, to the community about your research alliance. I believe it's called Clinics. Is that right, Dan? That's right. And how does that clinical research uh, system work? We just have 30 seconds here to break. Okay. Well, the way that system works is that what, what we have done is we've built a strong information network which uh, which touches the, the bitch bench chemists and researcher also touches data and information so that they can be fed back to patient treatment, treating patient based upon new information, new diagnoses, processes, as well as new treatments, and making sure that our treatments are leveraged to get the best possible outcome for the patient, and that's really what it's focused on. Wow. We, outcomes are everything for us. Wow, that's excellent. And when we get back from break, we'll go into more insights on healthcare opportunities. News, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com. Earn a better job for better pay and achieve a better life with Job Search, the total system, now in its third edition and through a host of valuable online resources at www.tcsworldwide.com. Thousands have successfully used these proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. One total system user shared, This is without reservation the best advice on job search available. I used it over my career and each time got a better position for substantially increased pay. Go to www.tcsworldwide.com and advance your career today. While you're on the site, please check out TCS University, which will bring you advanced resources like sample resumes, career assessment, total career success tracks, links to coaching services, and much more. Read Get Off the Treadmill, the total career success blog from Ken and Cheryl Dawson, and check out our online store for products relating to the book and total career success. Visit the website today at www.tcsworldwide.com. Total career success, better job, better pay, better life. And now a weather update. Winds out of the south-southeast at 9 miles an hour. Citizens of America, this is a message from FeedThePig.org. Do not be alarmed. We are here to help you save yourself. According to public records, Americans spent more money than they earned in 2005. This is the first negative savings rate in the U.S. since the Great Depression. America, we must change our behavior. We need to stop spending every dime we earn and start feeding the pig. We must start putting away a piece of our paycheck 
On the first and the fifteenth, we must pay ourselves before we pay anyone or anything. We must make a budget. And yes, even consider cutting up a credit card. And we must tell a friend to do the same. America, to start moving in the right direction, we must start a movement. Join us at feedthepig.org. Find the benefits of saving for every stage of life. Log on to feedthepig.org today. And for more traffic updates, brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please call toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Cheryl and Ken Dawson with Dan Oglesby from Spectrum Health and We've been talking a lot about the opportunities in healthcare, but there's also some challenges, Dan. Share with us um, about uh, the costs and how that impacts the spectrum health and, and healthcare in general. Uh, thank you, Cheryl. Cheryl, uh, in healthcare, uh, there is an increase uh, about about two to three percent in gross national product each year, and we can't continue to do that. Uh, when you look at that potential increase over the next four or five years, uh, we just can't sustain this economy. Uh, our resources cannot sustain the incremental cost and in, in, in the cost of health care. So there has to be some fundamental change to the way health care is financed nationally. And, of course, uh, we've heard our leaders talk about that, and the new president, is, is that's an area that he's interested in. But uh, the, the, the main issue is, the, is Medicare and, Med, and Medicaid from the state level. Uh, what's happening with states is that states' budget, budgets are being uh, curtailed right now, and that's, that's, that's directly impacting the indigent. When the indigent come in and they, and they are served and there is no pay for that, then that cost then is, has to be absorbed by other parts of the system. And that's the number one challenge you're going to see in communities and cities is the, is the non-insured receiving services and then the, the decreasing group of insured having to pay for their services as well as others. And that is such a critical point. Uh, we have so many people in our country today who are really, really confused by the whole process. Yes. It's very complex. It's very uh, sophisticated, and most people don't really understand it. What specific recommendations do you have for our listeners relative to specific steps that they can take to address their own concerns? Well, the issue really is, number one, is to be involved in prevention. Uh, to really stop the illness before it escalates and before it even occurs. So to deal with wellness and, 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 and to exercise, to eat appropriately, those kinds of things, and to really be about the business of prevention. Just drinking water, eight glasses of water a day, helps you in terms of improving your health and health status. To understand what's available in the healthcare system and to understand that, that, that there are different costs. The, 
going to an emergency room is much more expensive and a greater burden to the healthcare system than going to an urgent care center. Uh, an urgent care center can cost as much as, as uh, in, in terms of, of comparison, one-tenth less than going to an emergency room. Many, many individuals, you know, if they have just a stub, a sore arm, or, an, or, they, or they sprain an ankle, they'll run to the emergency department. That's the costliest care in communities. Uh, and so to get communities to focus on the satellite urgent care sites, uh, we would see a great reduction in the cost, especially with inner, inner city health care. And I know Spectrum has invested tremendously in a lot of those sites, what, over 140 sites That's or something correct. like that, That's Dan? Correct. And you've also got some very innovative programs that help to uh, improve the access to care. Uh, can you share with, with us and our listeners how that works uh, within Spectrum? Yeah, one program is the Moms Program. It deals with uh, uh, teenage and at-risk mothers who uh, will put strong demand and for resources on a healthcare system if indeed we did not run that intervention. And we have seen millions of dollars saved just by an intervention of working with at-risk mothers uh, and providing resources. So we put those resources up front, and they in return give us a great return on investment on the back end because we see children who are healthier, mothers who have less problems with delivery, and we we, we match that with the WIC uh, support where then the children are nourished so we don't see undernourished children, sickly children coming in. So we're able to save a great amount of money just dealing with, again, the issue of intervention and prevention. And we, Cheryl and I, over many, many years in this business, uh, do a lot of volunteering, do a yes. lot of giving back. At this yes. point in our careers, uh, our country has been so wonderful to us. It's for us all about giving back. Share with our listeners specific ways they can give back, mm-hmm. they can volunteer, other things they can do other than what they're doing. Thank you. Uh, that's that's an excellent, excellent uh, way into something I wanted to share. Uh, we have over two thousand volunteers who are registered with us who do everything from everything from delivering newspapers to delivering flowers to to uh, disseminating mail and we have this, we looked at those resources in terms of what it would cost us to do that uh, if we did not have them and we were all the way up to in the neighborhood of 23 million dollars in just person hours in a year that volunteers provide our healthcare institution. But go to your hospitals. They're looking for volunteers. It doesn't take a whole lot uh, to go through their evaluation and to get on their their volunteer and uh, their various guilds. It will it will really satisfy you and bring a great deal of value to your healthcare institutions. Wow, that is really incredible, Dan. Um, and I know that Spectrum is a not-for-profit organization, and yet you do have a margin that you reinvest into the future of the system. How does that benefit the community and also to help Spectrum, obviously, achieve its big audacious goal of being a leader in healthcare. We have made a commitment as a system there in Grand Rapids to invest in perpetuity. That means as long as we exist, <laughs> no less than $6 million a year to support for education, uh, indigent care, and uh, supporting community clinics and other areas where we can improve uh, the health 
status of our community in total. And we're almost done. Let me give you the opportunity to, at this point, share any thoughts you have in closing, sir, if you wouldn't mind. Really good to have you with us, buddy. Thank you so much, Ken and Cheryl, for inviting me. It's good to be with you guys again. Uh, I'm delighted to be able to support uh, the work that Ken and Cheryl have done through the years to really build what I think is is a system of excellence, one that provides you an opportunity to understand the nuts and bolts of receiving and, of course, getting employment uh, through a process. I'm, I'm a person who loves process, and you have a great process. I'm glad to be able to endorse it, and I think that you guys uh, um, should continue to communicate the value of this system as long as you can and as in many venues as you can because it works. Wow, thank you so much, Dan, for being here with us and for sharing from the heart. Next week, we're going to be taking a break for Christmas. We wish everyone a wonderful Christmas, and then we'll be back on December 29th uh, with Andrea Sittig, and Andrea is the author of Power Talk, When Talent and Passion Collide. It's going to be a very interesting discussion, and we'll look forward to having you back with us next week. In the meantime, have a wonderful Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, we really appreciate your time, your efforts. Thank you very much for joining us. Dan, thank you much for being with us, buddy. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Merry Christmas. Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on Voice America.
The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Now Hear This with the CEO of the U.S. Naval Institute, retired U.S. Marine Major General Tom Wilkerson. Now Hear This provides you clear, easy-to-understand explanations of issues relating to national defense and military life. Now here's the General, Tom Wilkerson. Welcome to Now Hear This, the weekly web radio program of the U.S. Naval Institute. We're the independent farm of the sea services, and since 1873, we've been the nation's premier forum for critical thinking on issues of national security and national defense. I'm Tom Wilkerson, the chief executive officer of the Institute, and your host on Now Hear This. On this edition of Now Hear This, we focus on gangs. We start with this Terribly interesting statistic. More than 800,000 gang members in the United States alone. In California, our most populous state, 150,000. When you look at those numbers, keep this in mind. 800,000 is 50% of all active military forces, and it's more than all state and local police forces combined in the United States. Our questions, are gangs a threat to homeland security, to your security in your hometown? Are they a threat to your community? Our special guest today on Now Hear This has some answers for that from personal experience as the city attorney of Los Angeles, Mr. Rocky Delgadillo, and we are grateful to have him. Let me talk about Rocky just a bit so you know what kind of expertise he brings. Rocky is a native of Los Angeles, Franklin High School in Highland Park, and then he he did a really scary thing. He decided he would go to Harvard University and actually on scholarship, a 1982 graduate honors, a Rhodes Scholar nominee, an All-American honorable mention in football. I'll have to ask Rocky later what position that was. And he won an RFK, Robert F. Kennedy Football Award. And if that weren't enough, Having come from Los Angeles, he went to Columbia Law School and graduated with a class of 1986. Rocky has been in public service much of his life as a teacher and coach in the Los Angeles Unified School District, as a director of business development in Rebuild L.A., as the deputy mayor of economic development during the tenure of Richard Reardon as mayor of Los Angeles. In June of 2001, Rocky was elected city attorney of Los Angeles. He ran again unopposed in 2005. He is the highest-ranking Latino to win citywide office in Los Angeles for more than 100 years. Rocky was born in 1960, grew up in East Side, and he's married to Michelle and has two sons, Christian and Preston. Please join me in welcoming Rocky Delgadillo to the microphone at Now Hear This. Thank you, Rocky, Tom. 
Glad to have you with us. It's a real pleasure to be with you, Tom. I really appreciate it. It's a very kind and generous introduction. (laughs) Hey, we value your time, my friend. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. So tell me about gangs in L.A. Let's start with how about what the heck is a gang? How do we really know when we've got one and we need to be worried about it? Well, gangs uh, is a pretty large description of everything from a highly organized racketeering organization all the way down to uh, a group of kids who are just street thugs and everything in between. Um, but what we're mostly concerned about are those who are on the racketeering or organized crime end of things. And frankly, today, as you mentioned, the number of gang members alone in this nation would indicate it's a national crisis, that it is uh, a national crime issue that needs to be addressed. And frankly, as we get more into this, we'll discover that it's not just national, it's now transnational. Um, I was on Larry King back in 2006 and had indicated that this is a nationwide crisis. In fact, that was the title of the show. I was on with several other guests. but And I meant it at the time, but I'll tell you now that it's, it's an international crisis. Uh, wow. You so, know, so work on this for me for a second. Let's sure. get to that. Who right. joins these things to make 800000 <laughs> Why do they join? Well, uh, that's a good question. If I had the answer to why everyone joins, I probably could solve it for you. We, we have some idea of why they, why they join. Uh, obviously, uh, there are conditions that breed gangs uh, here in Los Angeles that we know about. Uh, what are those community conditions? What are the things that you see that would make some youngster or even someone uh, a bit older, say in their 20s, decide that being with a gang is the only way to go? Well, usually they start very young. I could tell you this. One of the things that my prosecutors tell me is that they've never met a gang member who wasn't first to truant. They wow. cut class first, then they join gangs. So you can indic- you can gather from that that, in fact, bad schools or uninspiring teachers or administrators, parents that are lax or just not interested or maybe involved in, in gangs themselves are uh, are a precursor to someone joining a, a gang. Obviously, poverty is something that, and the conditions of poverty are, are things that would indicate that kids in, in the tough neighborhoods don't have many choices. Uh, and certainly one of those that confronts them every day in their face is an opportunity in gangs. And we we see that happen on a daily basis here in Los Angeles. Let me ask you a question that's kind of personal. Sure. Answer it how you wish. Sure. What was your experience growing up in East Side with gangs and gang-related activities? You lived in a pretty uh, challenging neighborhood. Yeah, I, you know, like I grew up in in, in Highland Park, Northeast Los Angeles. Uh, it is a part of our city that is today occupied by some of the most notorious gangs in our city. Uh, they were there when I was growing up. They, I had my brush with them along the way. You know, I was lucky. I had I had teachers who cared. I had parents who were loving and and caring and and were tough. Um, and and all along the way, there were people who gave me that sense that if I worked hard, not only could I make it out of that neighborhood, but I could make it out of that neighborhood and come back with new um, opportunities, with new talents that can, in fact could maybe bring uh, a better life to the people who live there. Did you were you confronted over time with the possible with with folks who said you have to join us or else or any pushing or any things that might have taken someone not as well grounded as you with the backing that you had and perhaps pushed them in the direction of uh, becoming a gang member? Look, it's uh, it, it one of the things that gangs are good at 
his recruiting. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah, outstanding a kind of recruiting. Too, isn't it? <laughs> they're 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 great at marketing. <laughs> uh, you know, they're like any other enterprise, frankly, just that they have different tools that they use to get their services uh, out to the to their consuming public, so to speak. And look, they're tough. And they, you know, the, along the way, there were opportunities to quote unquote be jumped into a gang. That's essentially how one joins. You get. You get essentially beat up pretty severely to join a gang. I was um, going to say, yeah, that's one of their marketing techniques. Right, exactly. Okay, I uh, got that. But, but you're, you're going to get beat up anyway. Yeah, I was so, going to say, once you're in, you're not necessarily protected. Yeah, right, but you're going to get beat up anyway, and then at, at least some, some kids might think, well, at least I'll have these guys to protect me down the road. And if you live in a neighborhood where that gang is prevalent and you don't spend much time out of that neighborhood, mostly for reasons of uh, poverty and the economic, socioeconomic status, then why wouldn't you make that decision? It is a choice that is tough. You know, I have to, I have to tell you, I, go to, I speak at, um, at schools all the time, and, uh, and I love to do it. Uh, but, uh, and my staff doesn't really think it's a good idea because those <laughs> folks, can't, they can't vote for me. You know, they're not old enough to vote. They don't have their franchise yet. But I always think our democracy is only as strong as those who do not have the franchise think it is. And so I go to speak to kids. And I go there, and I, you know, and I look, I look, I wear a suit and a tie, and um, um, I go there and tell them, well, how'd you get to be who you are? Well, I had to go to school, uh, undergrad for four years. I had to go to law school for three years after that. After that, I had to work 100 hours a week to pay off the loans I borrowed to go to school. And, I, and I'm, by the way, I still work really hard, and I wear this suit. But on the other hand, you started like they did. <laughs> and I started just like you. That's the point. But, I mean, it, it's kind of like looking at me and my position as a general officer. There's never been one in the history of the United States who yeah. didn't start out as a second lieutenant and didn't have to go to college. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, but the challenge is I walk outside as I'm going home, and I see down the street a guy who's dressed in you know jeans and a T-shirt or gang garb and has probably a pretty nice car has probably one or more girlfriends and a lot of cash in his hand. So um, that's who I'm competing with. And, you know, that's a hard sell. It's a little bit of a hard sell. Uh, obviously, that, that other lifestyle comes with a great degree of risk. Uh, one thing we know about gangs is that it's a highway, and it's, you're either in prison or you're dead. And at the moment, there are very few exit ramps. Uh, that's what we know about gangs. It's eight and ten chance you go to jail and four and ten chance that you die. So it is not a safe lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle that anybody would want to have. In fact, it's been referred to in, in several documentaries by gang members. It's not a lifestyle, but a death style. And that's really what it's about. Tell me about the powerful unions that you and, or unions. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Tell okay. me about that. That's a Freudian slip. Tell me about the powerful gangs that you ran into when you first became the city attorney, uh, now used as uh, acronyms or abbreviations, sure. MS-13 and MARA-18 and the like. Right. Uh, uh, MS-13 or Mata Salvatrucha. Uh, it was born of the Civil War in El Salvador, although it, it was born here in Los Angeles. We, we gave birth to it. Uh, 18th Street, or Mata Dieciocho, as it be referred to, south of the border here. Uh, those two gangs are the largest in the world, probably worldwide, 
somewhere between fifty and sixty thousand members themselves. Wow, um, you're kidding! Yeah, how the, do they keep track of all that? Well, as as you might imagine, a gang would. Uh, they're they're loose, loosely affiliated cliques, if you will, all around the country. I, I, I guess you would compare it to a franchise. <laughs> Sounds like Al Qaeda. <laughs> it's a little bit like that. Um, they have those kinds of connections, and they have that kind of infrastructure. That's how they communicate. And that's the scary part about national security with respect to gangs. If uh, one was an international terrorist and you wanted to access a criminal infrastructure here in the United States, where would you go? Well, uh, given the fact that the traditional mafia has has gentrified <laughs> or, or, you know, has moved on, so to speak, you know, using the Sopranos as an example, but I know they're fictitious, but, you know, their kids went to Columbia. <laughs> so, so if, if, you, if, if that has happened, if that's true, that they've become gentrified, where would you go? Well, you might go to 18th Street or you might go to MS-13 or, or any other of a number of gangs. The gang, the Chicago I, gangs. Or... Chicago gangs, the, the uh, gangster disciples in Chicago. You know, yeah. I've gone to speak to the prosecutors there in Chicago and, and trying to share ideas. Or it could have been the Avenues gang that, that I grew up with. That's the one wow. I grew up with. So any one of these um, could be an access point. You'd say, hey, you know, I'm an international terrorist. Can you get someone uh, hired down at TSA at LAX? Well, you know, uh, 18th Street might be able to do that for you. <laughs> that is just amazing. And so they have a transnational approach, and the difference is they're also making money out of this. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that all of us have to realize is that while they use violence as their delivery system, uh, what all of these entities are are enterprises. They are, they are there to make money for a select few, by the way, you know, because most of the people in gangs don't make a lot of money. No, and they're just part of the drill. They're just part this of the is, drill, you know. This is the end of our first segment, discussing gangs as a terrorist activity. We've come to conclude that gangs are more than just a traditional local criminal threat, and they might even be threats to our national security. And our guest, L.A. City Attorney Rocky Delgadillo, has more than a passing interest in this in his own hometown. And in his work as the city attorney, we will be back momentarily. Please stay with us. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Want to know what's really on the minds of men and women on the front lines of defense? You'll find out every month on the pages of Proceedings Magazine. Since 1873, Proceedings has been the nation's premier independent forum for informed, often challenging debate on national defense issues. One of America's three oldest continuously published magazines, its fiercely defended independence has made it the nation's most respected military journal. At Proceedings, they don't look for trouble, but when they find it, they don't run. If you want to know what military people are debating amongst themselves, 
you need to find proceedings. Get it by joining the U.S. Naval Institute. Learn how at usni.org. When you hear someone say they read it in proceedings, you know you're listening to a person who knows where to get detail beyond the headlines, beneath the surface. Go to usni.org to subscribe to Proceedings Magazine. That's Proceedings Magazine, the only true independent military journal. Subscribe to Proceedings Magazine at usni.org. With thousands of homes destroyed or damaged by fire, lots of people are wondering what to do next. If you are a wildfire survivor, SoCalHelp.org can help you find support and decide what to do, right now, wherever you are. This easy-to-use website is a place you can go to get immediate help with food, shelter, and important medications and start getting your life back on track. Get help now with insurance, legal issues, and find professional services like doctors and counselors. You can access contact information for national agencies, hotlines, and services that have the resources you need. You can also connect with other survivors and people who can help. For the answers and support you need to rebuild, visit SoCalHelp.org. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Now Hear This with retired U.S. Marine Major General Tom Wilkerson, CEO of the U.S. Naval Institute. To learn more about the Institute and its work, please visit USNI.org. That's USNI.org. Now, back to the program and the General, Tom Wilkerson. Welcome back to Now Hear This with our guest, City Attorney of Los Angeles, Rocky Delgadillo, and our subject today is gangs. So what's so important now with 800,000 of these folks in America who are in gangs, how many are there worldwide, Rocky? Yeah, worldwide I couldn't give you the number. I don't think that we actually keep statistics on that. I can say this, however, that we have learned that Interpol, for the first time, has designated criminal street gangs like MS-13 as criminal organizations. So they're on the minds of international uh, crime enforcement officials, and they should be on the minds of everybody across the globe because this is, this is the new organized crime in America and, and probably the new organized crime across the globe. Is that what they call a super gang? The MS-13 and 18th Street we would call super gangs. Those are super large organizations, as I indicated before. I think the two of them together would have somewhere between 50 and 60,000 members. And that's uh, I mean, worldwide, not nationwide. That's worldwide. That's worldwide, oh, yeah. Okay, so what kind of revenue streams are we looking at that these guys generate, the dollars involved that would cause so many people to have their heads turned and get <laughs> Interpol involved? <laughs> well, we know it's millions of dollars. I, I, I don't know if it, if it reaches the billion-dollar mark, but it probably does overall. Um, but we know certainly within our territory of Los Angeles it's millions of dollars. We've gone on sweeps where... We've taken uh, what I'll call working capital, uh, you know, uh, uh, cash from a mattress. That would be fifty thousand dollars. Well, that's just you know that's for that week. So if you have fifty thousand dollars on hand uh, in someone's mattress, that might be the place where drugs or other legal activity is going on. Then uh, certainly multiples of that are available elsewhere with that particular gang. And of course, you multiply that by the number of gang and gang members, and it's significant. 
Oh man, fifty thousand under a mattress, ninety thousand in a refrigerator. Let me think about this. Now. <laughs> you made a recent trip, uh, and probably several of them, because mm-hmm. you are very easily bilingual. Mm-hmm. What did you learn when you went to El Salvador, as an example, and to some other countries, looking into the connections, how to counter, what to do? What are the lessons learned as these gangs evolve into transnational threats? Well. Here's what we learned. I've been to the colonias of El Salvador, San Salvador, uh, yes. the capital city. I, I, two weeks ago, I was in Mexico City, uh, same there, uh, trying to figure out how these gangs are maneuvering and operating in places like Mexico City and Central America. Look, um, they are a significant power in both of those countries, and I can tell you that it's not just the local police force that's involved now. Now the military operations in those two countries are significantly involved, and it relates to us. I'll give you an example. A uh, young uh, four-year-old, two-year-old from El Salvador comes with his family to Los Angeles, yes. probably without documents. Uh, resides in a place called Pico Union in our city, in the just west of downtown. Yep. Um, he grows up here. He goes to school here. He learns, or he goes to school for a short period of time, probably learns to become a gang member and becomes a leader of a gang. He commits a crime. We arrest him. Uh, we discover when we've arrested him that in fact he's not here legally, and we deport him back to San Salvador. Yep. He goes to San Salvador. He's never been there. He was since he was two. What is he going to do? I can tell you what he does. He organizes MS-13 in San Salvador, and even if they arrest him there for crimes there, they put him in prison. Well, prisons in San Salvador are not like prisons here. They, can, they are allowed cell phone use. And they can actually run it from inside the prison. And they do. They run oh, the gangs wow. here from inside the prisons in San Salvador. So our, all of our efforts, big expense on our part to deport this person out of our country, is only hurting us. Okay. Um, you know, so the, and the other thing, too, about El Salvador, which all of us have to learn, is it, because of the Civil War, and I probably I understand the reason why, is there's no wiretapping allowed in El Salvador. Well, then it's very difficult, and anybody who's involved with gangs here in the United States would tell you that it's very difficult to then get the kingpins of these gangs without being able to listen to them. And One of the things that you and I figured out, or at least I did listening to you and hearing of, of your own interest and experience, um, is it um, incorrect to say that the majority of gang members um, come from uh, south of the border initially into the United States and are either uh, Hispanic descent or um, uh, Latino descent, and I don't know how to differentiate in those two, but you might teach me and those who are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that a, a fair statement, or is that uh, now with the transnational work, is that an exaggeration? It's probably an exaggeration, but it's, uh, the, that doesn't mean, I don't want to diminish the point, because probably, we, we're guessing here, but our guys are pretty good at guessing that about half of the folks that we deal with probably have come to this country illegally. Um, And then they kind of go back and forth. And because of the transnational nature, that's actually increasing because you need people who have skills and connections to places in uh, southern Mexico and Nicaragua and Guatemala and El Salvador and places in between. But, you know, I don't also want to diminish the Crips and the Bloods who continue to... um, uh, rain terror on neighborhoods here in Los Angeles and across the country. And 
you know, while there might have been uh, racial tensions between uh, African-American-based gangs and Latino-based gangs, um, really, in the end, if they figure out a way to do business together, they're going to do business together. <laughs> so now let's look a step further. Now, I've heard of the gangster disciples, the right. Latin kings, the right. vice lords from Chicago. Sure. My information now from several sources is these gangs, as well as uh, the gangs from your quadrant, mm-hmm. uh, the MS and the like, are mm-hmm. actually infiltrating U.S. Armed Forces, specifically the Military Guard and Reserve. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I've I've heard those those rumors too. I've heard about that information. I can tell you that we feel like. Uh, Guns or weapons from the military might be going out the back door because some number number of these individuals, when they leave their community to go to the military, yes. uh, they they should get out of the gang and cut ties. But in fact, they do not. Well, and in um, fact, they learn how to do things that will benefit from them uh, when they return. If it's urban warfare or use of weapons or the like, that they might not be able to learn when they're initially part of the gangs. Well, in fact. That's how MS-13 Armada Salvatrucha became so powerful here in Los Angeles. The, the immigrants that came from uh, uh, refugees from the Civil War in El Salvador were used guerrilla warfare tactics here in Los Angeles to oh, combat good. other gangs and also our police department. Well, uh, that brings us to where you are now, and let's talk a little bit about L.A. First off, put the Los Angeles uh, challenge into perspective in the United States. Is sure. there a city that measures in comparison to the challenges you found when you became the city attorney in terms of gangs and gang warfare? Not there, There's no city in America that ha, can measure up to what I found when I got here. Uh, at the time, I think there was nearly 60,000 gang members that we had on a database here in the city of Los Angeles. It doesn't mean the county, just the city of Los Angeles. And, of course, uh, you know, it's not... A proud moment for me to say of my city, but we gave birth to gangs in America. They started here, and uh, now they've morphed to other cities. But we are we are the the birthplace of gangs in America. Okay, and what have you done, Rocky? Now in your tenure, uh, toot that horn a little bit because you've had some significant success, and others as these gangs spill over. It, it reminds me of Rudy Giuliani's story about pulling drugs out of one of the boroughs in New York City mm-hmm. by putting a lot of extra cops there. And as soon as he finished, he moved them to the next borough. And then, surprise, surprise, the drug trade started again because what he found is if you don't keep boots on the ground, right. you can't control what's going on. So talk to me about your experiences and what you've done to help clean up in L.A. So um, uh, let me first start with just the one measuring stick, the, the number of gang members. When I started, there were nearly 60,000. Okay. Today there are 39,000. And, cr- and crime is way down. So in about seven years... How do you measure that crime way down? Is that in just terms of, of violent incidents? Yeah, uh, we, we actually measure gang crime here. Uh, there are historic numbers. I think the gang-related homicides last year were um, it, as low as they were in 1967 per capita. Yeah. capita, because we've grown since then. But uh, significant reduction just in gang-related homicides. We also see significant reduction in other gang-related crimes. doesn't mean that gangs are not... Uh, powerful in our city and, and are not still terrorizing neighborhoods. They are. There's still 39,000 of them, and they're still, that's still way too many. Um, but it's moving in the right direction. One of the things we've done is um, 
I've increased the number of gangs under injunction. This is a civil action that restricts their activities within a designated geography. We call yes. it a safety zone. Basically what it does is it prohibits known gang members from associating with each other in public. Uh, this is a way for us to essentially have probable cause to interact with gang members when we see them on the street, our police officers. And we've gone from eight gangs under injunction when I started to now 63 gangs under injunction. So now there are 11,000 of those, 39,000 gang members under injunction. It covers more than 60 square miles. That would be larger than the city and county of San Francisco. So we have, we have been aggressive. And these are, as, as you pointed out about Rudy Giuliani, these are actions that actually keep, that stay in that neighborhood until such time as it's safe. And frankly... How large is your police force to handle these kind of things? Have you increased it during your tenure? We have increased our police force, but we've also lost a big number, uh, mostly to retirement uh, and people moving on. We have about 9,500 police officers. So That's we're significantly less. I think New York has 40,000. 40,000, just under 40,000. So you have 9,000, and that covers the entire city, including the areas where you have 39,000 gang members Correct. still in in. A residence. Correct. So we're outnumbered about four to one <laughs> on the yeah, game. You guys are like the Marines. I was kind of comfortable <laughs> being outnumbered that way. Well, I'm not. I, I'm comfortable being outnumbered, but I'm not sure our resident should be. And, no, and I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I assume you're pretty proud of your force. Is it doing the things that you're expecting? The police force is. I have to say. Credibility up and stuff. Yeah, Chief Bratton has been an incredible partner in this effort. He is someone who believes uh, with every uh, molecule in the system that what we're doing is working. He also believes that we should put boots on the ground, not just police officers, but also prosecutors. I actually have what are called gang neighborhood prosecutors. They essentially walk the beat in neighborhoods that are occupied by gangs, and they talk to residents. There is something unique about having a prosecutor who has a badge but wears a suit uh, talking to people in the community versus a police officer who has a uniform and a badge. Um, but all of, all of these things, when you put a prosecutor in the neighborhood, result in what I call force multiplication. And, and so the outcomes are you're beginning to, to have an impact that's positive on this, but I take it from what you're saying that it's still work in progress. It's a work in progress, but we're, we're moving in the right direction. Let's say that uh, based on let's, we've reduced 20,000 in the last seven years. If we stay on that pace, and of course it will get better over time, you know, we could have a decade-long problem. Now, that sounds like a long time, but if somebody came to the city of Los Angeles today and said in 10 years, I will get rid of gangs for you. We'd say, how much? <laughs> well, so. on the other hand, isn't that one of the things you said when you came in and you're in your second term and nobody's even competing against you? Right. Well, but we get, you know what? We have a big competitor, and that is crime and violence in our neighborhoods, mostly run by gangs. They are not backing down. They may be losing ground, but they are not backing down. And we are going to have to work even harder in the future because one of the things that I think you'll know from your military training is that when you when you back someone into the corner, they fight even harder. <laughs> there you go. So what's at stake for John and Jane Q. Citizen? How can we help? In a moment, we'll be back with our guest, L.A. City Attorney Rocky Delgadillo, and find out some practical applications. Thank you.
Have you ever thought about having your own Internet talk show? Well, if you said yes, then click About Us. Then click Be a Host to get more information. Or just call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417. Say that again. 480-294-6417. VoiceAmerica.com When you have a stroke, you may not even notice it right away. But then... Time passes, and the symptoms get worse. One minute you feel fine, and the next, your speech could be slurred or not make sense. One side of your body might become numb. You might see double. You drop the TV remote because you can't hold up your arm. That's because, after a stroke, every minute you don't get help is another minute that your brain is being starved of oxygen. The warning signs of a stroke include sudden numbness or weakness of the face, arm, or leg, sudden trouble seeing, speaking, or understanding. If you experience any of these warning signs, call 911 immediately, because time lost is brain lost. Visit strokeassociation.org or call 1-888-4-STROKE today. A public service announcement from the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Want to know what's really on the minds of men and women on the front lines of defense? You'll find out every month on the pages of Proceedings Magazine. Since 1873, Proceedings has been the nation's premier independent forum for informed, often challenging debate on national defense issues. One of America's three oldest continuously published magazines, its fiercely defended independence has made it the nation's most respected military journal. At Proceedings, they don't look for trouble, but when they find it, they don't run. If you want to know what military people are debating amongst themselves, you need to find proceedings. Get it by joining the U.S. Naval Institute. Learn how at usni.org. When you hear someone say they've read it in proceedings, you know you're listening to a person who knows where to get the tale beyond the headlines, beneath the surface. Go to usni.org to subscribe to Proceedings Magazine. That's Proceedings Magazine, the only true independent military journal. Subscribe to Proceedings Magazine at usni.org. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to Now Hear This with retired U.S. Marine Major General Tom Wilkerson, CEO of the U.S. Naval Institute. To learn more about the Institute and its work, please visit usni.org. That's usni.org. Now back to the program and the General, Tom Wilkerson. Welcome back to Now Hear This. I'm Tom Wilkerson, your host and CEO of the U.S. Naval Institute. Our guest today is the city attorney of the city of Los Angeles, Rocky Delgadillo. Our subject is gangs and transnational and national gang warfare. A reminder that we're not talking simple things here. There are more people in gangs in the United States than there are police officers all up and in every city. 
Rocky, we've been talking now for quite a, uh, for the first two segments about what are gangs and then what are the impact of gangs. Now what we need to do is let's get to kind of the cooking in the stove. Mm-hmm. What has been your success and what have you observed as successful ways to begin to treat the issues, starting with mom and pop at home with kids and moving up all the way to city, state, national level as you begin to see how this is going to work because we've got to have this under control. Exactly. And what I said before is that uh, we have to be tough on gangs, but we have to be just as tough on the conditions that give them life. And well, so, yeah. Yeah. so, so I, I mentioned earlier that all of my gang prosecutors or every gang prosecutor I've ever spoken to 